the podcast of Lifehouse Church Adelaide. We hope that this message inspires you. To find out more about our church, our locations, or our teams, head to lifehouse.global. Now, enjoy this message from one of our amazing teams. Come on, while we're upstairs, I want to give a huge thank you to our creative team. The guys at the front, the guys at the back, the guys up here all across, man. What a, an amazing, an amazing set. Almost had a few tears there. Did anyone else get those few moments where they started? I just thought there was something in my eye, but that's okay. Go grab my pulpit. Thanks, Josh. Grab your seats. So good to have you here for our... Christmas service. Look at all your beautiful faces all across the room. A couple of lessons I've learned so far. Lesson number one is bring tissues when we have Christmas services. Lesson number two is do not give Pastor Ari the control of the snow machine. That thing was going off all sorts of places, even when. We, so just you know, when all those, so we've learned that lesson now. She really likes the snow. So I've hidden it from her. So she can't do it while I'm preaching. Um, but yeah, we're such a honour to have you here joining us. If this is your first time, we should know you are welcome, you belong. We're so glad that you could join us for this Christmas um, this Christmas service together. A whole bunch of fun happening afterwards. But let me just begin with a simple little survey. Um, just a simple survey. So I've got three options. I'd love you all to choose. So option number one is food. Option number two is the public holidays. And option number three is presents. I want to know, just a gauge of the room, what's your favourite of these three things. So can I get a bit more house lights at the front here? Thanks, team. Just because I want to see everybody's face um, for this section. So number one, if you love the food in the Christmas season, give me a wave. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, if you love the public holidays... If you love the presence, if you love all three, <laughs> it's good. It's good. For me, it's Jesus. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> but seriously, guys, one of the things I love about Christmas is, is the present giving and receiving season. I love the idea of being able to be generous to people and giving gifts. And, and I do love receiving gifts as well. It's pretty exciting. And so I thought I'd begin today's message by talking about my bottom three gifts I've ever received and my top three gifts. So if you have given me one of the bottom three, um, I'm sorry. But one of the rules when you're a pastor is you're not allowed to lie, especially from the platform. And so, so I'm just going to have to say it as it is. And so let's go through uh, my bottom three first. The three worst gifts I've received in my life. I wonder what yours is. Maybe um, you can tell me later. I can't see me. But number one, the worst gift I ever saw received, I think it was an auntie or possibly one of my grandparents. Um, but one year I remember opening this present of, you know how when people go to see like other cities, you can get like novelty shirts and all that sort of stuff, the tie-dye ones, the really like ugly tie-dye shirts that you wear and it has like a dolphin on it and it might say like Port Macquarie at the bottom or, or, or New Zealand. It was one of those really like, and it was a dolphin. I'm a boy. I was, I was probably like 13 at the time. No 13-year-old boy wants to walk around in tie-dye dolphin shirts. And so I think it was my grandmother or my, or my aunties, one of them gave me this shirt from one of the places they had visited. And I remember getting it, just happened to pretend to like it. Thank you so much. And I don't think I ever wore it once. 
Like it just sat in the cupboard. Oh, without growing it, sorry. Off it goes, away it goes. Number two, the second worst gift I've ever received um, was when I was about 11 year old. My uncle gave me a, a Robocop. Now, if you're too young, you don't know what it is. That's okay. But a Robocop protractor set. Now, there's, there's two things wrong with this gift. Two things. Number one, Robocop was an R-rated movie that an 11-year-old shouldn't even have known what it was, yet he's given it to me as a, as, as a gift. Number two, no kid wants a protractor set ever, let alone as a Christmas present. And so I got this protractor set and opened up, I had to again pretend, smile, thank you, I'm so grateful for my Robocop protractor set and had little, little things in it. So that was number two. But my number one worst present I've ever received, um, if I had Monique, I'd get a drum roll, but I don't, so that's okay. Oh, oh. is chocolate covered sultanas. <laughs> it is offensive in every way. Because not only have you ruined the chocolate now, you've put like dehydrated, sucked out grapes into your chocolate. I mean, they look bad, they taste bad, they smell bad. You, you, can, you can do whatever you want, but the reality is nothing is protecting you. You know when you get those bags that have like mixed chocolates and some are nuts and then some have got licorice and different bits and pieces. It's always a nightmare when someone gives me one of these because I'm having to sort through and work out the size, which one of the Sultana ones. And so I literally have to bite the outside of it, take the chocolate, no, nah, that's bad, throw that one out. So that is the worst present. Now, I know some of you in this room are already thinking, we're going to buy Tim some chocolates. I'm telling you right now, I will look you in the eye and throw them straight in the bin and feel no shame whatsoever. But they're, they're my worst gifts I've received. So I haven't done too badly, if I could be honest. I've never gotten coal as much as many years I've deserved it. Um, and so they're the, they're the three that I've gotten. But let me tell you my three best gifts I've received. Who wants to hear the best gifts I've ever received? All right. Three of you want to hear, the rest of you don't care anymore. You're thinking about where am I going to buy the Sultana chocolate. See Pastor Keith. I know what he's thinking. Um, but the top three I've ever gotten, number one, was uh, in about 2002, my mum bought me my first Guinness Book of Records. And um, for those who don't know, basically it's been a tradition in my family, but I still remember that first year opening up, getting the Guinness Book of Records and looking through all the things of that year. And from that year onwards to today, my mum has bought me every single year a Guinness Book of Records that comes. And so it's this little tradition now. Like, like I don't even know what's happening in those books anymore, but I've got a pile of them there. But there's just something special about my mum knowing that, and I want it, and I, I look out for it. I see that, I know exactly what it is, but there's something nostalgia about getting this Guinness Book of Records every year. I flick through it for about 13 minutes on Christmas Day after I've eaten too much, I'm feeling too full. I look at some top things, then I put it in the shelf and never touch it again um, because it doesn't get that much more interesting year to year. But that's my, that's my number three. I love getting that present every year. Um, number two was uh, when my wife bought me my first golf T-shirt, a blue checkered polo shirt. Uh, that was a sign not just of a shirt, but that was a sign my wife supports me being away for seven hours on a Saturday to play golf all day long. What a woman she is. And so yeah, I remember getting that first shirt and, and it was a symbol of, Tim, our marriage has come far enough now where I trust you to be gone for that many hours. And so um, I remember getting that, my first shirt. It was like baby blue with the beauty. It was gorgeous. Um, so that was my second present. That meant a lot to me, being able to have my first ever golf shirt. Um, but the number one present I've ever seen, give me one more drum roll. Perfect. 
was the year, I can't remember the exact year, but I was about probably 10 years old when I got my first gaming console. I remember getting the Sega Mega Drive. My parents had saved up for it. Yeah, I'm showing my age right now. The Mega Drive had come out. I still remember it cost back then about $200. And my parents going, all right, we're going to buy this as a family present. And being the only boy, my two sisters here, I'm like, yes, this is a family present. This is for all of us. As I bought all the games that were boy-based games. But, but I remember getting my Sega Mega Drive. And I remember the first time that it ever turned on. And for those that ever had a Mega Drive, it would make this beautiful sound. You'd turn it on, it would take a few seconds to load. And then it would just say, it would just say something like, Mega. And it was the best feeling. Every morning, every Saturday, it would just play this thing. We'd put in Sonic the Hedgehog. We'd go down back when you had video stores, you could hire video games. We'd go down, I'd hire all the games, I'd play them all. But that was my first gaming console I ever got. And, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was such a, an amazing present. My friends had all talked about it. All the rich kids in town already had all the other ones, had the Master Systems, had the Nintendos. Had all. I didn't have any of those, but I remember getting the two controllers, the first Mega Drive. That was, that was one of those special moments for me as a kid when my parents, I think, probably had to stretch themselves pretty far financially to make it happen. Um, but I still remember that, um, being about 10 years old, wherever I was, getting my first video game console. And so for all of us in the room, we've got highs and lows of life, haven't we? We've had some great years of Christmas. We've had some hard years. We've had some great presents. I'm sure if I could do a survey, we've had some dud presents over the year. I won't do a survey right now so you don't offend someone across the room with the one that bought it for you. But the reality is we've all had these. And so the reality is that this season is all about gifts. And, and I want to focus on the greatest gift that's ever been given. And that was the gift of Jesus. We've sung about it. We've got items about it. We've done all this. This idea about Jesus being the greatest gift. It says this, if we skip down to, to Matthew 1.23, this, this verse repeated over and over again. And the song we've been singing and talking about in Matthew 1, 23, it says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Today, the question I want to ask each and every one of us is, what does it mean to have God with us? Not the God that was, but the God that is. What if we realise this Christmas season that God didn't just get born 2,000 years ago in the name of Jesus and didn't just come in as a child and, and live His life, but actually this gift was a gift that is still being received today, thousands of years later. What happens if we say yes to the gift of Jesus? What happens in our lives if we say yes to choosing Jesus? And so I've just used this. Three little things that happen that impact your life when you say yes to Jesus. And then we've got a video of a person sharing their story of when they said yes to Jesus and the transformation that happened in their life. So number one, the first thing I think happens when you say yes to Jesus is you receive a newfound joy. You receive a newfound joy. I don't know if you've looked at this before, but in both occasions of the shepherds and the wise men, the two famous stories of people coming and visiting Jesus, there's a common link where both of them, when they hear the news of Jesus, they receive joy. Let's look at this here together. In Luke 2.10, this is a story of the shepherds. It says, But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy 
to all people. So when he was talking to the shepherds, this angel, he says, this good news is in accompaniment with joy. In other words, if you receive the good news, there is a joy that you get to receive in alignment with that. In other words, in this life we live, we have ups and we have downs, we have good days, we have bad days, we have things that happen, but this gift of Jesus actually gives us a joy we can't get anywhere else. It says it again when we read a little bit further, uh, in, in Matthew 2, 9 to 10, when it's talking about the wise men, it says, After the interview, the wise men went away, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. In other words, when they had gotten to the place and seen the place where Jesus was, Emmanuel, God with us, when they saw that, they received a joy they couldn't get anywhere else. Now, for those who don't know, the wise men were wealthy men. The wise men were probably kings in their own right or significant leaders. These guys had everything. And yet when they got to this humble place, this stable, this manger, and they saw the star hovering over Jesus, they received a special joy that was worth mentioning. In other words, they talked about it, they discussed it, and so there was a joy that came upon them. Did you know today that you can receive that same joy? That you today, no matter where you've been, what you've experienced, where you've been placed in life, there is a joy on offer when you say yes to Jesus. Even before Jesus was born, listen to this, in Luke 1, 41 to 42, it says, And the sound of Mary's greeting. Mary was going to visit Elizabeth, her family member, her cousin. And Elizabeth had a baby named John that was there. And it says this, it says, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. In other words, Mary walks in carrying Jesus in her womb, and, and Elizabeth is there with her child, John. And at the sight of Mary, who was carrying Jesus, it says she gave a glad cry. Something inside her came out of her that wasn't there before. In other words, in our life, as we invite Jesus into our world, we gain access to a joy we can't get from this world. I don't know, you've got to be careful because in this room with what's not going right, I don't know if we list all the headlines over the last six months to have a sense of negativity creep into your spirit. But I'm so grateful that as I've said yes to Jesus, I am able to receive a joy that I cannot get anywhere else in this world. And it helps me as I navigate life and kids and family and up and downs to know I can carry a joy as I'm reminded this Christmas season that because of Jesus, I am able to walk with joy. Number two, is not only do we receive a fresh joy, but we actually receive a fresh hope. A fresh hope in the midst of our circumstance. I don't know if you've ever thought about this too much, but the, the story of Jesus and Mary and Joseph is a, is a pretty crazy story, especially the very part where he's born. Because I don't know about you, but have you thought about 
the narrative of the story of the birth of Jesus, born into a place, it seems like Mary and Joseph were unorganized. They had nowhere to stay. So they stay in the animal barn and and animals are cute, but no one wants to give birth to a baby in an animal barn. And then not only that, they forgot to bring anything to put the, the baby into sleep in. And so they take out the food trough and, and they empty it, get rid of that, and then they put baby Jesus in that trough. And you know what that story highlights to me? No matter how bad the start, when Jesus enters into that situation, it becomes special. Have yeah. you thought about this? I mean, we're talking about a food trough. We're talking about the place where the donkeys and the cows and whatever animals were around, they were eating out of. And yet Jesus was born and laid in that manger. And we sing about it and we talk about it and we celebrate it. It's in shopping centres thousands of years later. A food trough is actually significant now. Why? Because Jesus connected with it. What about your story, your life, your journey? If I was honest, we'll all have a story where some things haven't gone the way we thought, where things haven't occurred the way we thought. But for you and I today, we get the chance to actually say yes to Jesus. And what happens is in that God with us moment, it actually allows the Holy Spirit to begin to meet you right where you are at today. What we're going to do now is hear a story of a guy who had a radical encounter with this guy we call Jesus. So why don't you turn to the screens for me? So how dark was dark? Dark was very dark, pitch black a lot of the time. Childhood, yeah. Two older brothers and mum and dad just grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne. I guess just pretty ordinary sort of life. Happy moments, yeah. I'm, there is, there are a few. Footy, I was always good at footy. Always winning trophies playing footy. Yeah, so depression was uh, a big, big part of my life. Basically, from when I was ten, I got diagnosed with what's called dysthymia, which is basically just childhood depression. I remember not getting out of bed for the entire school holidays, I think it was about two weeks, not long after my friend had got run over by the truck. It was periods of self-harm through high school, you know, cutting myself and every time it'd go away, it was almost like there was a longer gap, but it came back and it was a lot worse. So I was 16, I got stabbed coming home from a party one night and me pushed by, I had a couple of guys try to rob me from my backpack and I've never ever backed down from a fight in my life and you know I was in a bike club for a long time I was one of those guys that you'd see on the news wearing a leather vest I was a sergeant at arms probably wouldn't say I was a drug addict but I was a heavy drug user drug dealing robbing drug dealers standovers debt collecting uh I've been shot at more than once at one point there was uh, a price put out for people of my in my position basically it was you know, 10 grand if you shot me below the waist and 25 grand if you shot me above the waist. So I used to joke to a few friends and say, you know, shoot me in the shoulder and we'll go get 12 and a half grand each. And yeah. yeah, I ended up being heavily into the drinks. And at one point I was drinking a bottle of whiskey basically every day, every night. I had a lot of loss, a lot of loss, a lot of um, violence, a lot of drugs, a lot of, a lot of everything, really, all the bad stuff. I don't know, I just started having these thoughts. I was like, there's got to be more more to life than this. And I'd lost six people in 
about 10 months time one of them was my brother who actually died in front of me he was probably one of my closest mates and had a lot of demons he went through a breakup of his relationship lost his house you know he was a high flyer real estate and got into finance and had a lot of money and he ended up getting hooked on drugs and drinking and that's eventually what killed him he drank himself to death ended up um burning a hole through the lining of his stomach and with everything I've done, like I attempted suicide before, probably twice actually by that point, and I just couldn't understand why I was still here and he wasn't. Like I had so many second chances, and not long after that, my uncle died, and then a few months later, me uh, mum's mum died, mum's house on the kitchen floor, and yeah, not long after that, Beck's grandmother died, and that was yeah, that was the last one. I just remember thinking, like, what is going on? Why is all this stuff happening to me? Like, oh, there has to be a reason for all this suffering. And there's got to be more to life than, than what, what's happening, basically, and what I've done up until this point. Five or six funerals in such a short space, and it's funny to a lot of people watching probably wouldn't understand how none of them were religious until the last one. But it was a church service, and it was a Christian service, and it was Pastor Armando that actually ran the service that day, and it was just something about him... I just couldn't keep my, couldn't take my eyes off him. There's something about his aura and just how happy he was and how positive he was. Just something drew me to him. I was always so skeptical about religion and stuff like that, and I couldn't understand like how could you believe something like that? It's just to me, it was very scientific based, and I thought there's no hard evidence. I don't believe it. And but I was looking at him, and I'm like, he's a smart man. He's he's happy. He's smart. He's I don't know. He just he had something I didn't have, and I wanted to know what it was. And yeah, I spoke to Beck about it, and I said, you know, I want to speak to someone. Um, about it basically and she said oh, I know a guy he's an old family friend uh, I haven't spoke to him in a long time but I'll sort of reach out to him and, and see what he says so turned out to be Pastor Richard and he came to my house one afternoon and we had coffee together and pretty much just barreled him with questions and you know what's this how does this work and he, to his credit he answered everything and it's really leveled with me yeah that day he sort of said to me you know you're ready to give your life to Jesus and I said yes and we did the prayer and I gave my life to Jesus and literally as soon as I finished the prayer, this weight, I didn't know I had. It was like if you go to the gym and you see people wearing those really heavy vests. It's like someone just came along and just plucked it off me. I didn't even know that I'd been carrying it for so long. I'll never forget the feeling. And just it was instant and I just knew then something had changed. Something big had changed, yeah. Yeah, so from the darkest of dark to what I would say is definitely the lightest of light for me that I've ever had anyway. It seems to get lighter all the time, but, you know, life's not easy. You're never going to say life's easy. There's always struggles, but life has gotten a lot better. I came out with a really good story, and now I think I went through that life to sort of meet people like myself that haven't met Jesus yet, that haven't come to Jesus yet, and tell them my story. And I can tell them I've, I've been you, I know how you feel I've been there I've done that but look at what can happen if you just accept it and believe in it and allow you know let God into your life and yes I've had friends like corner me at parties and stuff like what's going on with you why are you so happy what's been happening and I've just said to them you know I got baptized I've accepted Christ into my life I go to church some of them nearly fall off their seats and others are sort of really accepting of it and and I think people have realised now that there is no turning back for me. It's just following Jesus and that's it, just moving forward. If there's anyone watching this and 
you feel the same. Like, I've just been shaking his head. A lot of the things I was doing, there were so many time, things I think back now, he was trying to point me in the right direction, I just turned the other way. But it's never too late, and you've literally got nothing to lose. Like, if you think about life, no one knows the purpose of life, except we do now, we do, and it's to follow Christ and try help other people as well. My name's Steve, and I'm so glad Jesus came into my life. pretty special story, isn't it? You know, for you and I today, no matter where you're from, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, that same Jesus that impacted that beautiful man's life, the same Jesus that impacted my life, the same Jesus that impacted the shepherds, impacted the wise men, impacted 2,000 years of history. We still talk about Him. We still celebrate Him. We still, it's, it's more alive today than it's ever been. Emmanuel, God, with us. And I want to give every person in the room the opportunity to be able to accept that gift for themselves. As our kids said so beautifully, the juniors, they said in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whomever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've experienced, if you accept the gift of Jesus, transformation can happen and you begin to see yourself different, others different, circumstances different, everything. Like, like He said so beautifully, He said He looks back and He sees now the hand of God shifting and guiding and leading. You know, you're not in church today by mistake. You didn't just rock up um, because there was a kid's item. You're here because God wants you to know that He is present and wanting to meet you right where you're at. Thank you so much for tuning in to that amazing message from our team here at Lifehouse Church in Adelaide. To find out more or to submit a prayer request or connect with us as a church, simply head to lifehouse.global. God bless you.